Hello and welcome to episode Dominic Hashik of the Cosper Pointcast. I'm your host, Trevor Shackles, joined as always by my co-host, Colin Cudmore. In honor of the Dominator ruining our hopes and dreams, let's have another depressing episode, shall we? <laughs> let's go through it. Trade deadline month. Things are winding down to uh, really cutting it close now, but uh, lots of stuff to talk about. For sure. So the trade deadline's just little over three weeks away right now. Um, we're recording this on a Saturday, and the Senators just got back from their All-Star break. They lost last night 5-3 to the Penguins, and by the time people are listening to this, they'll have played tonight uh, against the Red Wings as well. So there's a decent chance that their losing streak will be extended to four. Um, you never know, though. Maybe they come out with the win. But obviously the most most interesting thing that people will be paying attention to this month is is the trade deadline and then all the trade rumors. And I don't think there's a single team out there that will be, I, I think the most focus of uh, for any team around the league is going to be on Ottawa just because of their three impending unrestricted free agents. So let's just, let's just go through one by one, all their trade bait uh, pieces. And let's start, start with Mark Stone. So how would you sum up the situation right now with Stone? Well, it's, it's it's quite the shaky one at best. I mean, like it all, it all really started like uh, at last off season when he signed that one year extension, and you, you think back to that, and it was really just the two sides that were kind of battling it out. Dorian and the Senators really wanted the uh, the long term extension. Of course, Stone was just coming off an amazing season, so like why would you not want to? Like he was 25 years old; it was like prime time. And then, uh, of course, the day that they were supposed to go to arbitration, uh, Stone kind of forced their hand and and uh, got them to sign the one-year deal because that's, of course, all we would have gotten in arbitration anyways. So uh, um, that, that, that really was like quite the nail in the coffin, it felt like, for Mark Stone and the Ottawa Senators just because like uh, it, it opened his door up for free agency. And I, I know people had compared it to kind of Carlson taking the puck off the ice at the end. It was kind of Mark Stone opening that door like he, he knows he wants out and he knows this is the path that he wants to take. He's setting himself up to yeah. take himself off the send so, and, and move on to another team. But uh, yeah, it, it, it seems like the chance to swim of Stone being on the Sens next season anyways, I, I, like he may be even... Wait, uh, it's still kind of weird to think that he might be the most likely to resign anyways, even given these situations, just because, like, you know, he loves the city and the team is really, um, really pushing on signing him and his contract negotiations don't seem to be going as uh, terribly as they are with you, Shane. But he'll he'll certainly be commending, like, quite the quite the contract. Like, of course, it'll be eight years. He's only 26 years old. But, uh, you know, you think eight, nine, ten, ten million. Do you think he reaches the 10 million mark even? I think he gets 10 million for sure because I think that's what he would get on the open market. So I don't see why he wouldn't be asking for that. I mean, he's been he's been a point of game player for a season and a half now. I guess, you know, last year it was what 56 games or something like that. So it was definitely shorter, but he's been fantastic and I mean, I w- I would give him 10 million, would you? Oh, for sure. Like he, he he's that good of a player. And there's no really denying it. He's a superstar. I think the only thing that will maybe hold me back on that is just that his he has that history of injury, which kind of puts a lot of teams off on on signing these players long term. Is when they when they uh, when they're 26 years old already and they've had concussions and they've had all these different injuries that have put him back. But uh, yeah, like just based on his play alone, you know, he's one of the best defensive centers in no, not a center. He's one of the best <laughs> defensive players, like forwards in the league. Yes. You know? and and everyone recognizes that around the league. And uh, yeah, he, he's worth he's worth every penny. And you're right that the free agency definitely has a lot to do with that, just because um, he just because he's he kind of there's kind of the threat there of him hitting the open market that the Sens really need to compete with other teams in that regard, and not just in salary. Like you, you got to think of the signing bonuses, which kind of make me also a bit pessimistic about this. Which uh, it's just this uh, extra thing that the Sens just won't be able to hold up their end on. Um, yeah. Right, and I think it's I think it's interesting that I think we would agree Stone is probably the most likely of these players to re-sign, and I'm still not incredibly optimistic about it. Um, I don't know, like what if you had to put a number on it? What do you what are the chances um, you think that he was actually going to stay? Because for me, it's changing weekly, it's changing daily. Um, 
a couple days ago, TSN was talking about him potentially being on the move. So I'm definitely more bearish on him potentially staying. Um, but yeah, it, so my thoughts about the whole situation with Stone are changing all the time. Um, but yeah, what do you like? Do you think he's, or sorry, um, do you believe and should fans believe that when Dorian says that Stone and the Senators were actually close to signing a long-term extension in the summer? Because if they actually were, then why wasn't that done earlier in the summer? I mean, I guess Dorian was preoccupied with the Carlson stuff, but like, why would it have taken that long? And then they just settle with a, a one-year deal instead? Because like you're saying, Stone just, he really holds all the cards right now because he can either get exactly what he wants or go to another team. So I don't think they really were close to an extension um, maybe they were close on dollars, but Stone said something like, oh, you know, I'm going to have to see where this organization is going because I don't know why he would want to commit to the next eight years with this team if there's really no future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the Sens aren't really the most punctual team out there. You know, we've, yeah. we've seen that uh, uh, they're really taking their time with negotiations and they aren't really starting right exactly at the deadline or even before the deadline like other teams <laughs> sometimes will do. But uh, um, I, I think that also has to do with like just last season negotiations. I think that has to do with why some people might be a bit more optimistic about Stone being the one to resign. It's because they've already gotten so far in those negotiations and that they already have that kind of uh, general structure of what a contract might look like from how close they were this past offseason or like, uh, yeah, just the last offseason that uh, um, they, they kind of be picking something up already from where they already were. Whereas Chain, you'd be starting completely anew. Like you'd be talking right. new contract negotiations starting from square one. So, um, like you're talking about chances of coming back. I'm still very, like, I, I'm, I'm very pessimistic. I'd probably put about 10 to 15%. Oh God. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know. I, I, I hate to be the pessimistic person here, but, uh, <laughs> We should just rename it, it to uh, the. We got to rename the podcast to like I don't know something with pessimistic in the name. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so, but uh, um, yeah, when when Carl when sorry when Stone took that one year deal, it really left an impression on me that this isn't something that he wants to pursue. And yeah, you're right, Stone holds all the cards here, so it, it's his his decision to make, which is like unfortunate for the Sens. Yep, and like, like good for Stone, but I guess something you also have to talk about now is that. If resigning is so unlikely, and the Sens know, and if the Sens know that resigning is unlikely, then then like the next thing they'll pivot to is a trade, obviously, which is what we're really uh, talking about, like with the trade trade deadline coming up, mm -hmm. and uh, like it, it seems so odd and like completely out there to be talking about trading Mark Stone, like we like we already went through Eric Carlson, which is absurd enough, but yep. and now we're talking about Mark Stone, but so it feels weird just to be talking about return, but you know you, you'd have first round pick in there you'd have some excellent prospects maybe a roster player coming back a la chris tierney but uh um i don't know what do, what do you think that might look like do you think that his impending status of free agency will have anything to do with that maybe yeah i mean for sure obviously the the return is not going to be equal to what he's worth and i was looking back at previous um trade deadlines or previous trades with you know, star level forwards who were impending free agents. And there's really not that many comparables to Stone. I guess a similar one would potentially be Max Pacioretty. And, you know, that one hasn't actually been too terrible for Montreal. Um, I really like Nick Suzuki. Thomas Tatar has been, you know, a top six forward for them. And I want to say, I guess they got a second in there too. So they didn't get the first. Um, so I guess you could maybe expect something similar um, and if they do get a top prospect like Suzuki, that's, you know, that's better than nothing. Um, but yeah, like I, basic template for me, I was thinking, you know, maybe a first, a second and, and a good prospect doesn't, it's not necessarily going to be like an elite one. Like I'm not, if he's going to Nashville, I don't think Nashville is going to be giving up Eli Tolvanen or something like that. Um, but I think you can expect something solid, maybe like Suzuki. And I, so my take on this stone thing is that I think it's more, I think it's cr crazier the fact that they're going to quote-unquote have to trade Stone than they had to trade Eric Carlson. I think it's it's more 
it's more of a fireable offense, in my opinion, even though Carlson is a better player, just because Stone fits, like, there's literally nothing wrong with him, and I just think that he's a perfect captain, and there's really, I, I rarely ever hear any bad things said about Stone, so I don't know why you can't keep him around. Um, so yeah, I just think it's, I think if he does go, that's unforgivable, and that's like the fifth uh, unforgivable thing the Senators have done over the past couple of years. And I'm not going to say I want this to happen, but to me, I, I'd love to see Stone on Winnipeg. I don't know about you, but Winnipeg there's just something boy. about, but just, uh, yeah, he's from Winnipeg. Winnipeg seems interested and, you know, it, it'd be, it'd be weird to have him playing and splitting time with Blake Wheeler, but I guess San Jose made that work with Carlson and Burns, sort of, but uh, it'd be great. Like, they have such a great forward core, core there. It'd yeah. be great to see Stone past a line A shoot, you know. That'd be great to see in a great platform. And also, on top of that, just Winnipeg's a great team, and they have lots of great assets. They have all their first-round picks and just so many great prospects as well that uh, that they'd be able to expend for this type of player. So it right. seems like a perfect fit and a place that Stone would even want to be keen on re-signing in maybe, which could maybe up the value for Ottawa if they're able to get uh, like a, a sign-and-trade scenario, which uh, we haven't had one of those in a long time in the NHL, it mm -hmm. feels like, but... Uh, um, yeah, it, it, maybe that will have something to do with it. Yeah, not to put you on the spot, but is there a specific prospect that you could think of that you'd be interested from Winnipeg? Ooh, um, I'm thinking less so prospects. I'm thinking more so young. Hmm. What about um, what is his name? Sammy Niku, their defenseman from. Uh, oh right, NHL? yes. Yeah, he'd be someone to look at for yeah. sure. I think he won Defenseman of the Year last year in the yeah. NHL, if I'm I not mistaken. I know Jack Roslovic's name keeps coming up. <laughs> oh, yeah, another... But he, he's more of a young roster player Yeah, yeah, at this for point. sure. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, for sure. Yeah, there, there'd be options. Um, so, anyway, I, I we could probably devote an entire episode to Stone. Um, let's move on to Matt Duchesne, though. And he's kind of in that similar boat where he's, you know, similar offensive production. Definitely not quite as good um, as of an overall player. Stone is... A lot better defensively and and just his his all-around game but do you think do you think a package would be similar for Duchesne just because of his his name value oh for sure and yeah teams around the league are, are I'm, I'm sure very high in Matt Duchesne um you know he, he's got the point totals to back it up and uh yeah you're right he, he definitely has that uh those extra few years on stone of uh of solidifying his name and mm -hmm. you know he he's he's represented Canada at some pretty big international events too, which definitely helps his case. But uh, um, yeah, I, like he had this inter he had his interview just a couple of days ago, and and it seemed like I, I don't know it, it, to me it seemed very nonchalant. Like he didn't really seem to be like uh, in the know how of what was actually going on with his with his situation. He was kind of um, seeing what happens, or it could also be taken as like I don't know maybe, maybe he just wasn't very um keen on re-signing with the sense he's kind of just sitting back and waiting to see what happens but uh, right I, I don't know do, do you think like we, we talked about the chance of stone re-signing would uh, i'm what do you think do you think it'll be higher lower do you think du duchene even has a chance of staying at this point it seems like from what everyone is saying that it, he's obviously more likely to be moved than not be moved and so I don't know. I I think personally I would maybe put Stone's chances a bit higher of like of resigning maybe like twenty percent, and then maybe Duchesne at like ten. Um, just I, it doesn't seem like the structure of the contract is really going to be there for Duchesne and like the bonuses and all that. So they might. Well, the Senators definitely have the money to resign both these guys and Dzingle too. Um, but I I don't know. I don't I don't think. They're going to be willing to give him, I'm sure, for a starting point, he's probably going to be asking for like nine and a half million. I don't think he's going to get that. Um, but, you know, he's definitely getting well over eight at this point just because of how, how well he's producing. And I, I mean, the only thing that would make me think that he might stay or Ottawa might be forced to give him a lot of money is just that Dorian really has to save face with the, the trade that he made in um, in giving up Kyle Turris and, and the first round pick and everything, just because 
that is going to look so bad. I mean, it already looks really bad if, you know, they have to give up a potential lottery pick and then you have nothing to show for it. I mean, I guess they would have a first and whatever else they get for Duchesne. But yeah, so like that's, you know, that's, I guess, like small bit of hope I have that maybe he'll resign, maybe Dorian will cave. But at the same time, do you really want Ottawa giving overpaying Duchesne? Because if anything, I think he's going to age worse than Mark Stone just because he he's a lot more reliant on one part of his game. If his offense drops, then he's going to be a lot less valuable than Stone would be. Oh, for sure. And and Duchesne, if you look at his statistics, and he's always, he's always been one of the offense first guys who, who, who kind of has to sacrifice a bit of the defense for that. His defensive numbers have never really been strong on any team he's been on in, in, in the past. Yeah. But... Uh, um, yeah, like I think when when you're signing star players, you kind of expect to overpay them. I think Stone's a very unique case in that scenario because he's so young still, and he's and his play will hold up so much, or or hopefully hopefully that uh, injuries don't affect him. That that uh, like even that like ten million for eight years could be totally worth it, even in the like that sixth, seventh, eighth year. Whereas I think. With players like Duchesne, and you see all these other guys around the league signing long-term, you really have to weigh your options and think big picture when you're thinking of, or we don't necessarily have to, but I think it's, it's, the, it's the job of, of guys like Dorian and the upper management to be thinking about this kind of thing, is do the Suns have the pieces right now to build around Duchesne and make those first three or four years of the contracts like really worth it? Mm-hmm. So that those next four, that those next three or four years, those contracts where it won't be worth it as much, make up for the fact that at, uh, or I made up for the fact that you have him for those first, for those first few years, and given Ottawa's situation, I'd say it's totally worth it, like, ignoring the finances, of course, because you have <laughs> Shabbat, you have Stone, you have the four, they have the cap space, but of course we need to think about everything else. And, you know, we're the Copper Point cast. You allude to <laughs> Eugene Melnick a lot yeah. here. And that's going to be a huge factor. And if, if you look at it from that scenario, then it, it, maybe signing Duchesne isn't worth it. But in any other realistic scenario for an NHL team with Matt Duchesne and these types of pieces, like, it's it, it, a player that you want to keep around for those few years. Just because just he is that much of an offense. For sure. And I think... Uh if you do re-sign, if they are able to, I mean, they're not going to, but if they were able to re-sign Stone, Duchesne, and Dezingle, I don't think it's that crazy to expect them to be good in a couple seasons again, because they have that core then of Stone, Duchesne, Dezingle, Shabbat, Kachuk. Um, you know, they wouldn't have a goalie, but they would have a lot of young up-and-coming prospects, and I don't think it would be insane to, you know, I think next year they would still be bad, but who knows, like maybe the season after that, they make the playoffs. And I don't think it would have to just be, you know, a write-off for the next four years or something. Um, and, you know, obviously people are, are going to compare Stone and Duchesne and, you know, who's who's more worthy of keeping. And I, I would definitely rather have Stone um, just because I, I think that if, or sorry, like, like I was saying earlier, I think Stone will age a lot better than than Duchesne will so I think he's still going to be really productive even if it did take four years to to become good again so even if they're just able to to re-sign him I think that's you know 10 million or whatever he gets will totally be worth it um and Duchesne is definitely a different case but I think it's I don't know I can see the benefits to trading him and sort of just starting from scratch and you know building your way up um, but at the same time, you know, you're not going to be getting what, what he's worth. And I guess that's, uh, I guess fans will just have to live with whatever they get in return. And hopefully there's going to be no suffering after this. And we know there will be, but I mean, really after this summer, there shouldn't be too much more devastation, you know, until, until Thomas Shabbat is, up for a new contract and he's a ufa or something like that <laughs> oh yeah totally and like if you just think of the nhl in general 
like you think of the landscape and it's just it, it, the NHL is a strong link, link game. You want to have the best stars and that's what will get you to win the championships. Of course, there's so many other things that are that kind of tie into that. You know, you need to have good depth and all that sort of stuff. It, not, not to write, write, write all that off, but, um, you know, it, it, that's, that's why you see all these teams really clamoring to sign their superstars because uh, they know that's what you need to win in the NHL is you need these star players. So, um, yeah, it, it'll be unfortunate. Once it comes to happen, I, I'm saying when it comes to happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, of course, nothing's happened yet, but yeah. uh, but it just shows how pessimistic we are at this point. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it it's for good reason, unfortunately. Yeah. But now, now what we have? The, yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Um, just just one last thing on Duchesne. Like, what would you be most comfortable with, or like, what's the highest you'd be um, comfortable giving him in terms of uh, cap it? I think the nine million range is about. About where where it's at for Duchesne, but yeah, 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 it's it's all about what's what's surrounding him, and what and what it's like for uh, the rest of the team. But uh, yeah, that's that's about what he's gonna get on the open market, even more if he goes to the open market. But uh, yeah, that's for both. But I pivot to player number three. The -hmm. third of the three big UFAs is Ryan Dezingo, who is having quite the career year right now. You see him having that spike in shooting percentage, but uh, he's really putting it, putting all, putting it all out there on the ice. He's he's really racking up the points. He's having um, teams around the league are recognizing that he's going to be a potential trade piece, and have been calling Dorian on this. So um, I, I, it seems it seems from the outside that a lot of people think he's going to be the most likely to be traded. Yet we saw, I think it was Bob McKenzie just last week who said that the Sens might even make a push to sign him and make make him the one to sign. Which seems kind of odd given like their position on Stone and Duchesne already. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was wondering what you think is going to happen with Dzingo. Do you think he's as much of a lock to be traded as many are um, putting him out there to be? Yeah, I don't know. Like maybe maybe he isn't um, as likely to be moved now. And it's funny because my thoughts on on the whole situation regarding him have definitely changed. Like, yes, I would love to keep him around, and I think he's he's a good top six piece. But at the same time, he he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to have a super long career necessarily. So if you do give, I mean, he's not going to be getting an eight-year deal or something, but, you know, maybe he would be asking for five or six, and that might be a bit too long. And I'm sure he's, you know, a deal for him might be, I don't know, over five million, five and a half million, something like that. And I think that's going to be end up being a bit of an over, overpayment. I really like him as a player. But I've just been looking at his stats and like, he's been pretty damn lucky this season. He's played well, like I don't want to take anything away from that. But I know his expected goals were a lot lower. Um, His shot rates were were pretty bad. And I was looking at, um, let me look it up here. I think it it was a a skater tool, Bill Como. That's what um, it it is. It's a, a, a tableau. And I was looking at the graphs for Dezingle's season this year and I was comparing it to other seasons and like just in terms of his his points uh, assists shots um, penalty differential all that stuff he actually you know his previous two seasons are pretty damn similar to this season so it's not like he's actually performing that much better in terms of underlying metrics so I don't know if I'd be willing to give him that sort of money and they'd be able to get like a really solid return from it at this point. I think they'd be able to get probably like a, a late first round pick and, you know, not not an amazing prospect, but a prospect. And I think they would actually be smart to sell high on him right now while he's, what is he, 27, I think? Yeah, around there. Yeah. And it's kind of unfortunate because he was rumored to be traded to Edmonton at one point, and now Peter Shirelli's gone, so not sure yeah. how uh, <laughs> not sure how well they'll be doing in that trade, but... Uh... Um, yeah, I, I think there's definitely the potential out there for someone to overpay on Dezingle. If, if you get a first-round pick for Dezingle plus something else, that's that's incredible. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be more than happy with that. For a pending unrestricted free agent, that that would be that'd be great. Um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I I I'm I'm kind of also in the boat where I think like a, a trade is definitely more likely. I think there's also the, the possibility that we see something sort of like what happened at the last trade deadline. Where Dorian was just so busy shopping Carlson, 
yeah. that he just kind of forgets and doesn't have the time. It doesn't have, well, I mean, he only has one other assistant general manager who's kind of focused on the signing aspects of that kind of stuff. So he's really the only person doing all this work, managing these, these three, possibly even more players that are, uh, are on their, on the Sens trading block. So really who knows at this point, like if, even if the Sens try and, and trade Dezingo, there's right there's always a deadline. And, and if that, kind of comes back to then he may end up just having to walk away at the end of the season if they don't if they can't right and i think we're kind of forgetting a nightmare scenario where nothing happens by trade deadline and they don't sign and they just all walk in free agency and i, I think the chances of that happening are extremely unlikely and i'm sure that you know i i'd i'd be surprised if any of them um walk for nothing in free agency but it's it's a possibility like you're saying i mean he has no one really around him in the front office to to help him with these deals and um you know there's other trade possibilities that we'll talk about right after this too that he's got to deal with so doran's got a lot of work to do um and yeah obviously like you were saying if he did get a first and a prospect be pretty happy with that return um but at the same time uh i don't know if i would necessarily expect that um, but if you're looking at past deals, I think that that sort of template fits fits well, and uh, you know I, I think that's a realistic ask. Um, but have you looked at any teams that you think would be interested in him besides the Oilers? Uh, I mean, you kind of have to look at at those more bubble playoff teams, maybe, or maybe at uh, one of the contending teams that's not looking to add as big, mm-hmm. but. Uh, but is uh, still has just a little bit of cap space, so maybe Calgary would make sense. Uh, they're they're kind of at the top. They they have uh, some cap space. Uh, maybe Dallas, uh, Vegas, who knows Minnesota? Even they're in a playoff spot right maybe now. Maybe Carolina too, actually. Yeah, uh, they're they're also a possibility if you're yeah. uh, look, looking for some finishing ability, I guess, which would be funny considering mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, just first few years of his career when he was yeah. kind of uh, that snake bitten finisher. So I guess that actually makes sense for Carolina then. <laughs> yeah, per- perfect, perfect fit. But exactly. uh, who knows? Maybe Vancouver. They're they're just out of a playoff spot too. Who, who knows what they're what they're thinking about? But uh, yeah, I, I, I the, the thing with the Tzingo is that there's so many more teams out there that that could handle his his uh, his contract because like Duchesne and Stone are still making quite a bit of money this year, anyways. So those teams will have to fit them under the cap too and if they're trying to make other moves too then how does that fit in kind of that that's why he's kind of been uh the more anticipated player to be traded because yeah there's probably a bigger market for him out there too yeah that's kind of an underrated aspect of um of Dizingle actually it's just the fact that he's so cheap and really i mean he's he's a perfect rental even if you i mean obviously that's what a rental is if even if you don't want to re-sign him um, yeah, that, that works perfectly. So any, any one of those teams that you mentioned, I could totally see them, uh, trading for and, and hopefully the, the market is, um, you know, pretty, pretty good uh, for that, for the forwards. But I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, um, saying that there's probably too many, um, players available, too many sellers on the market. So that might mean that Ottawa's returns on these players might actually be a bit less than we expect. So, yeah, um, not the greatest news to hear. Uh, the thing is, like, there are still lots of teams that are willing to go all in this year as well. So it's balanced in that sort of sense. But uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I think I, I think I know where the quote you're talking about. I think it was more in relation to uh, Artemi Panarin and how that might affect the Stone and Duchesne. Right. Uh, trades and just how there's there's uh there's three like elite players on yeah. the trading market right now which is like unheard of since like i don't know when i probably since when i wasn't alive even like that <laughs> yeah uh, just amazing that just to see like not not amazing for the sense but to see so many uh like uh, elite players just on the market like um but yeah it, it there's uh it'll be interesting to see but even more interesting, probably even more confusing than anything, is our next person <laughs> on our trade board, Cody Cece. And for some reason, I have no idea why, there are teams still inquiring about him, apparently. And the Suns are finally 
I don't know, have the sense changed their mind? Have they finally seen the what everyone's been saying all along? But uh, I don't know. What, what do you make of this whole this whole situation? It's, it's weird. Well, here, let, let's start off with this. Give me... So I, I'm a... I'm a GM of a different team. You are Pierre Dorian. Give me five reasons why Cody CC is really good. Go. Uh, he plays <laughs> a lot of minutes. <laughs> uh, there aren't five reasons. We'll say that much. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I don't know. You can't really say that he's young anymore. He has over no. 300 games under his belt. He, you can't really say that he's an effective player because he's. Uh, because you know, you just watch Cody CC play. You know, it's it, much more difficult than that. Right, and, and I think just his. I mean, I think the stats, the stats are obviously horrendous in terms of shot metrics and and all those things. Um, but even if you just, even if you're just an eye eye test person, I don't understand what you could possibly see in his game. Um, just because, like. His defensive awareness, it always seems like he never is covering the right guy. Um, and definitely, like, in the past couple years, I guess, it's it's more um, confirmation bias, too, just because I'm looking out for it. So it's, it's going to be more obvious when I do see it. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I I think it was hilarious that Dreger was talking about how Dorian might be inclined to move CC because of what the Kings got for Jake Muzzin. And the fact that he's being compared to Jake Muzzin rather than Jamie Oleksiak, who was traded on the same day for a fourth-round pick, I think that's just hilarious. I mean, if if Ottawa gets anything close to what the Kings got for Muzzin, they got to... I mean, they'll be laughing. Well, I mean, actually, I don't know if they will be laughing because they probably think CeCe's still good, but fans will be laughing at least. Yeah, really, like, party in the streets, I mean. But... Uh, um. Yeah, it, it, it's weird. I don't really know what what else to say to that. It's uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of confused with this whole ordeal. It, it's it's weird. It's. I mean, could you? Do you have any expectation of what a return would be? Because I have really no idea. I, if if the Suns can get really anything, any anything in return is is probably considered to win at this point just just because he's probably a liability yeah even when he hits the ice addition by subtraction and then plus you get an asset or two as well yeah and like we we still love cody cc it just like as a person it just <laughs> as as, as <laughs> yeah you know he, he's the local ottawa boy i i loved him i, I love playing i love seeing him play on the 67s I, I watched his whole development path through ottawa which is great but yeah, it, it's just it, it didn't work out, which is really unfortunate. And uh, yeah, it, it, I even weirder point. I, I keep saying it's weird, but the even weirder part here is that the Sens are finally turning around on CC. It's always been, you know, I'm a big Cody CC fan, or like Cody CC always plays the big minutes. He's the young guy. They've always, they always they keep defending him, and and I, I just keep wondering what what is it that has changed their minds at this point. And yeah, I, I, and weirdly enough, I think it's it's the money again that has to uh, play in here because you know he's making four point three million this year and he's a restricted free agent again, which means his qualifying offer is going to be four point three million. So the Suns are just not going to like not qualify him for that, and he has his arbitration uh, right still. So maybe that ha- maybe he can just go back to that, but maybe the Suns just don't want to pay him another four point in next year or yeah they could be. or they, they they see that maybe he'll be looking at a, a long-term deal for whatever reason but uh and they, they don't and that much there so it, it, it'd be funny if the sends o- overvalued him to the point where they traded him instead of undervaluing him yeah but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it, it just seems weird and, and you mentioned the uh i think it was darren dreger who had the comments about uh, jake muzzin and yeah. I, I i think i i I think a bit of that has to be kind of be washed out a little bit because that might be a bit of overvaluation just on the part of the analysts instead of the team. But uh, yeah, it, it, it'd probably be less than Muzzin. But I don't know. Anything's possible at this point. We're we're in we're in like completely new territory here. Yeah, I mean, will you see what? I mean, uh, what Adam Larson got? He got 
uh, Taylor Hall for for the Devils, and I wouldn't expect that kind of deal. But at the same time, I mean, in 2016, that was the rumored return was Cody Cece in a in a Taylor Hall trade. Um, don't know if it was one for one, but either way, he was rumored to be part of that. So you with with defensemen specifically, right shot defensemen who are supposedly young and like have a have a good pedigree they could really get a lot and you know despite having all these bad results of over 400 career games um so yeah it's i mean i would be ecstatic if they got like a second round pick or something but at the same time i think they can get more um just in terms of you know what we've heard over the over the past few days um so yeah i think it would be it would be really huge if they could finally move on from him. And and I like obviously I agree with what you were saying earlier. Um it's not I don't hate him as a person or anything. I'm sure he's a very nice guy. Um and you know, if you follow me on Twitter or or read my blogs or or listen to the podcast, everybody obviously knows um you know, I talk about him a lot as uh in terms of being a problem on the team. But it's funny because I w- I was going back on my I tweeted this out as well, but I was going through my old Facebook posts from like years ago, just, you know, trying to scrub some stuff. And my status in 2012 was something like, oh, really happy Ottawa drafted CC. He should be really good for years to come. <laughs> and so I was happy that they got him. Um, so was I. Yeah, I think a lot of people were. Um, funny how things changed, though. Yeah, and... I guess we we have a few more names here that we just want to get through for the yeah. other trade bait, and we've been covering and uh, or we've been covering it at Silver Seven Cents uh, these names as well, and we think about uh, John Gabriel Pajot, Zach Smith, Bobby Ryan, Craig Anderson, Andres Nielsen. Really, these are just other guys that if Dorian has the time to get to them, maybe he'll consider trading them. But uh, it's all all the less likely players who might be traded, but still. Um, could be out there on the market. You might be might see their names juggled around a bit on trade deadline day, and um, I, I to me, if he was like Pajot, is probably the least likely of those, just because he has so much like uh, appeal to the market, and and he's still you know he's still Pajot, he's a useful player. But uh, and uh, I I wonder if someone is out there thinking that they could use Zach Smith right now. You know, he went through waivers at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and nobody claimed him, but now he's 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 back and he's starting to play. And people are seeing um, what he's actually doing, and, and he can actually produce a little bit. And, and honestly, I, th- I think he's been probably one of the better parts since bottom six this season, both um, or especially in, in terms of defense. He's kind of um, he hasn't been as much of a liability as others. I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll just say that much. But uh, I don't know, I'm wondering what your thoughts are and, and likelihood of some of these guys getting traded. I don't know. I don't, I don't think any of them will be moved. I think a huge reason why is what you were talking about earlier about how Doran's going to have his, um, you know, he's going to be really busy with, first of all, Stone and Duchesne, and then also Dezingle and Cece. So if he actually does get around to any of these guys, that'd be pretty crazy. Um, I can't see them moving either Anderson or Nielsen just because, you know, they're going to try to win as many games as possible. Um, and, <laughs> I mean, that's not really going to happen. They're going to lose a lot. Um, but it would be weird to trade for Nielsen, give up a pick, and then later trade him. Unless, I mean, if they got uh, a draft pick and return like a third or fourth and, and upgraded that pick, then maybe they would do it. Um, I always get the sense that Smith is someone that teams out there would like, like you were saying. Um, so he could be an option. You never know. Obviously, he has one less year remaining than he did last year. Um, and I thought he was going to get moved last year, but he didn't. And then Pajot, um, yeah, probably not. Um, I wouldn't, I don't know, if, if if he was able to get traded for the right package, I wouldn't even really mind seeing him go, besides the, obviously, like, the emotional attachment we have to him as, as fans. Um, but just in terms of, uh, you know, I think he's what making, what, 3.1 million he is a UFA in 2020, so just over a year from now. Um, so if they were able to get like a decent return for him, I wouldn't mind him getting moved. But I'd be pretty surprised if Doran got around to to doing that. The only scenario where I see Pajot traded is 
in the sense is in the case where Duchesne is not traded, and the Sens realize that they have Duchesne, yeah. Tierney, White, and Pajot as their centers, and they have someone to expend at that point. But uh, the, another name that we didn't really talk about a whole lot is Bobby Ryan, who I think is is, is especially interesting because we saw him in in trade rumors so much when when they were talking about trading Eric Carlson to begin with, and and Doran was trying to insert him into a trade, especially involving Vegas, was the big team there. So. I, I'm wondering, we haven't seen his name as much anymore now that we're seeing the rumors for Mark Stone and Matt Duchesne, which, I don't know, I, I found it very intriguing just just, just because, you know, if the Sens are in the business of cutting costs, which they pretty much are at this point, then that's the, then that, you'd think that would be a player that they'd be trying to circle back to the same way they did with Carlson and try and insert him to, into a deal with uh, Stone and Duchesne. It's like two more opportunities there. Um I, I, I posted about this yesterday on Twitter, but uh, the response was, was sort of like, I, I think it was reasonable because uh, the Sens need to have, they need to hit the cap floor next year, essentially. Yeah. And if, and if Stone and Duchesne are, and, and Dezingle and possibly Cece are all gone, then then I guess he's kind of that uh, player who can still play, but will help them hit the cap, cap floor and uh, and uh, not go against the NHL's rules there. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it would be... I, it, yeah, it just yeah, it just surprises me that like we haven't seen him as much as we saw him beforehand. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you said, you're gonna have they're gonna have to hit that cap floor. I think it would be pretty insane for for them, specifically Melnick, to want to get rid of the contract just because. I mean, they're they're not paying anybody in the next coming years, so it's not like they need to get rid of him. Um, if there was a team, if they were able to get rid of him without having to entice a team like if they were able to trade him pretty much like for free or even like you know like even a, a, a late pick or something without having to either retain salary or ottawa give up another asset themselves and by all means do that but don't go out of your way to attach ryan in a stone trade or something like that and then get less value um i think that would be pretty stupid but i will say it is nice to see that ryan's been a bit more productive um i think I want to say, I think it was in the last 16 games, he has 13 points. Um, so he's definitely, he's been at least like a, you know, a good enough player in the top six. He's got 31 points in 48 games. Um, so, I mean, he's definitely not worth the money, but he's also, I think he's on pace for, what, 50 points now. So that's that's not terrible. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, uh, yeah, like, it's, it's good to see him, like, actually being productive it's not like i it's not like he's at the point where he's a player that you uh, you're just trying to get rid of like you saw i think it was montreal acquired steve mason from winnipeg last year and then immediately bought him out it's not like ryan's yeah. one of those players is where uh he, he's he's his contract is a liability to the point where you're considering a buyout but yeah it, it's, it's great to see him performing but uh i don't know i i, I think just the mistake around him being attached to the Carlson trade and that not going through, it's just kind of been uh, um, odd to see him not come up as much and not to see his name as much in trade rumors when we were seeing it so much just uh, um, just this past off season. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think that's all we have to say about the trade deadline. It's going to be a pretty busy month, and hopefully, uh, uh, next time we come back, we'll, we'll uh, have a bit more news to talk about in terms of uh, yeah. decisions that have been made. But uh, I guess looking at the on-ice roster, I think the, the big thing that we're looking at right now is is the call-ups. And um, just yesterday, we saw, or just earlier today, it's, it's Saturday, we saw Rudolph Bowser's called after the All-Star break. And uh, and I think the biggest omission is Christian Mullenon. And just seeing how well he's playing in the AHL and how well he's been playing in the NHL, I think it kind of makes sense to he'd be full-time in the NHL roster at this point. And... Uh, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think his he's kind of warranted a spot at this point, or is he still kind of in that between range where he'll be sent down to the AHL, call it up the next week, maybe that point, or is he still uh, has has he warranted his ice time? Oh, he's totally warranted his ice time. I mean, I I don't think it's a controversial opinion to say he's the second best Senators defenseman. Um, I think Demello has a case for maybe taking that spot, but. At absolute worst, he's third best. Um, and it, it's crazy to me that, I mean, 
Boucher talks him up a lot and says, you know, he's playing well. And, and there's one game where he really didn't want to take him out. And so I guess I think they went seven defensemen. Um, and he said, I wanted to do that because Willanan has earned his ice time. And then, you know, he wasn't called up for, for yesterday's game. So I, I really don't understand it. Um, I, yeah, I'm definitely one of his, his biggest fans. I, I think he's, I think he's already a top four defenseman and, um, you know, I think best case scenario, he can even evolve into a, a top pairing defenseman as well. Um, and yeah, it, it's just strange to see guys like Borvietsky, Harper, even Yaros and, and Lejoie get preferential treatment over him when he's done nothing but you know be a really good overall defenseman yeah and, and I, i've always been one of his biggest fans too i just love his offensive skill set and even seeing him through uh uh through college at the university of north dakota he, he was he really was showing off his offensive talents and, his, and he really is kind of one of those new age defensemen who kind of transitioned yeah. the puck as well um but yeah you're right there's just so many like expendable defensemen on the sense right now that they just don't really need they're kind of just clogging up space especially on the left side like you, you mentioned harper lejoie and borvietsky specifically those three and i guess uh just justin falk has been playing hasn't really been playing much lately but i guess you can kind of factor him in there but uh i, I keep forgetting that the sense still have justin falk but uh, <laughs> <laughs> well but he's yeah, not in the nhl yeah. at least right now yeah not right now but yeah. uh yeah it, it, it just yeah, I, I, I have a couple of stats here too, but uh, uh, Willannon was one of the, or what is it? Just one second. Yeah, so Willannon paired with DeMello. So they're the only pairing on the Sens right now that have actually put up positive possession numbers. Everyone is below 50%, <laughs> which, which is, which is kind of crazy to think. Mm-hmm. But well, you think Willannon and DeMello are, are kind of the two um, better possession drivers on the team. They like uh, Even just looking on the ice, they, they're kind of those... Uh, um, better puck movers. I mean, you fit Shabbat in that category as well. But if you if you can imagine putting someone else on Shabbat's side, having Willenda Demello as a as a second pairing, I, I don't know that that just seems pretty reasonable to uh, um, assemble like a decent defense core. Like the Sens are, are nowhere near the top of the league in terms of of defensive talent right now, of course. But uh, yeah, just, just make sense of what they got. Right. I think you can dream on a future of a top four with Shabbat. Bernard Docker, and then Willan and DeMello. Like, I think that's a pretty... I mean, obviously, it really depends on how, how good Bernard Docker becomes, but I think that's, you know, that could be not a bad top four at all. And you think Christian Yaros is still young as well? He's still... Yep. Uh, I, I think he's kind of a known asset at this point still, but, uh, you know, you never know how, how much he can... Uh, how much more he can adjust to the game. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's more of a physical player, but especially seeing him in like development camp especially he was dominating everybody and i i he, he definitely has the potential to do uh to do more on this roster and it's uh it's been weird to see his transition be a bit rough, uh, more rough than i expected for sure um he seems like kind of one of the, one of the more guys you'd expect to be on, on your third pair just just style just style wise but uh, yeah yeah i will say um we're we're sort of running low on time here but uh i will say one thing too and I'm not going to get into it too much because I could talk a lot about it, but for God's sake, please play Nick Paul and, you know, just make him the fourth line center or winger, whatever, just play him. He played five minutes last night and it's it's baffling that he doesn't get more ice time. <laughs> yeah, not very much more to say to that. Just, yeah. Uh, yeah, play Nick Paul. So why don't we get into listener questions for the last segment of this episode? Um, here, I will... Okay, so let's let's go nerd here. So first one comes in from Ross, uh, Silver Seven Sens managing editor, sheer underscore Rossiness. Um, he says, "Will cheering for the Sens ever be happy again?" I'll let you take that one. <laughs> yes, cheering for the Sens will be happy again. We will outlast Eugene Melnick. We will do it. The Sens will win the cup sometime. When it is, it's not going to matter. Melnick's ownership. Let's hope. Let, let's just hope it soon. Yes, we will be happy. Let's be optimistic for some time like on, this, uh, on this on this on this podcast. But uh, yeah, there you go. It, it's, it, it's just a matter of of when is Melnick going to sell, and hopefully that's soon. Yeah. All right, I like it. Um, comes in from James Bridges. He says, 
and we're, we're kind of talking about this right now, but uh, should Max Lajoie be sent down to the AHL for a bit of seasoning? Seems like giving Willan in his minutes at this point makes sense. Yeah, you can, you can take that one, but you, you want to take this one, Trevor? Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with James. I think that Willannon is the better player now and in the future. Um, it, it's a bit strange that Lajoie has been given a, a bit of a free pass. I mean, I think he has a few healthy scratches, but yeah, he really, you know, he looked impressive in the first few games of the season, but he's had, he's had some, some bad stretches and the underlying numbers don't look very good. And a lot of that is due to playing with CeCe, but at the same time, um, I'm a lot more optimistic on Willannon moving forward. Yeah, I think he hit the nail on that one. It's just that move him away from CeCe for a bit, and I'd love to see what he can do. Maybe put him on a, put him on a pair with DeMello, and maybe we'll see what happens. But yeah. uh, like, Suns games are as meaningless as hockey games get at this point. Really. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, they, they aren't trying to win because they aren't going to make the playoffs, and they aren't trying to lose either because they don't have their pick. So, like, it's, <laughs> it's the most meaningless it can get right now. Mm-hmm. So, it, rushing a player isn't going to do anything, really. And and so, I don't know, if sending him down, if they think, is the best option, maybe that's uh, something they consider, considering how many um, uh, one-way contracts they have right now as well. They don't really have... Yeah as much flexibility as you would hope but uh yeah i don't know maybe it's something that will happen i'm not expecting it to happen but uh if i if i was pure door and something i would consider for sure and let's get to a third question this is from uh kelly that hockey glass uh what trades do you foresee happening i, I think we kind of discussed this a little bit but uh i which ones would you put the best odds of of the players we talked about who do you think is the most likely I think, oh man, I think probably Dezingle. Um and then after that, I mean, honestly, I, I'll, okay, here's my prediction. I'll say that Dezingle, CeCe, and Duchesne all get traded, and Stone, I'm not totally sure on Stone, like, he might just, like, maybe they might wait it out a bit and, like, try to re-sign him, um, and then risk letting him walk. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll say that those three get traded, um, before the deadline. Yeah. And I, I, I'm, I'm still also kind of just on the fence about most of these guys. Cause it, it, it's hard to envision, you know, it's hard to yeah. envision these, these guys getting traded and we, and it was hard to envision getting, seeing Carlson get traded and that <laughs> happened. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Dezingo is traded and so is Duchesne. I think CC stays around. Oh uh, God! <laughs> unfortunately, and, and same thing for and same thing for Stone. But uh, j- just sort of the fact that the Sens won't just because Dorian's alone in this situation, he won't have time to do everything, which I think is kind of an underrated fact that we've talked about a bit. Right. Um, this comes in from Adam Wyland. He says, "What is the future of the Sens up the middle? If Duchesne goes for futures, White becomes your first line guy. After that." Pajot and Tierney have to fill the void behind him. Descends target a cheaper option at center as a trade return to add more skill to the top six. I think with a trade like that, I, I a team isn't going to be giving up a top six center. Don't you agree? Oh, for sure. If, if they're getting a roster player back, it's probably going to be one of those young guys who maybe isn't top six yet. Like a, like, a Roslovic. like a Roslovic. Like a Roslovic. Sort of like Chris Tierney, essentially. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys who's kind of on the cusp of maybe be become, becoming a top six guy, and he still has maybe a bit of potential left. But uh, yeah, uh, Colin White, who, who knows how much further Seattle can go? I've been happy with his uh, with his rookie season, even though uh, um, even though a Calder nomination is is kind of maybe, maybe not quite in the question at this point. I, I'm still been impressed with what he's been doing. Maybe he's not top six quality, but. Uh, yeah, he definitely has the potential to be a first-line guy. And you also have to look at the prospects as well. Maybe Logan Brown steps it up. Maybe yeah. uh, Josh Norris comes in and, and has an impact immediately as well. Um, well. That would be a couple of seasons away, though. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of one of the Sens' um, less fragile positions right now as center, just because they have a bit more depth there and a bit more uh, a few prospects that could come in in the future. Yeah, they have some depth, but if they do lose to Shane, they definitely lose that high-end talent in the position, so that would definitely take a hit. For sure. And another question coming in from Carter Cock at Carter Cock on Twitter. How much longer do you think Boucher will be the head coach? And same question for Pierre Dorian. How long do you think he's going to be staying? 
I think this is I think both of them are kind of in different scenarios right now. I think Boucher gets fired at the end of the season. I don't know about you, but I think that's kind of almost Same, given yeah. at this point. Um, with this, with the Sens' disastrous record for two seasons in a row, I think the Sens you really need to have an excuse for that, and I think firing Boucher is going to kind of going to be their big excuse for that this off season. Um, Dorian, Dorian, I think, is a bit different. I think he's more tied in to ownership. I think. He, he's made so many moves right now that are, are fireable offenses, and Carlson will always be his, uh, what he'll be remembered for. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Dorian goes when Melnick goes. That's going to be my prediction. I think that he, he, he's been following Melnick's orders. He's been, he's been cutting costs. He hasn't been afraid to pull the trigger on these big trades that uh, when, a new ownership, when new ownership comes in, that I think he'll probably be one of the first people to go I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I can totally see that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, whoever comes in is going to want to clean house and see what, you know, the awful job that Torian has done. So um, I could totally see that happening. Um, And that that kind of fits with that timeline, too, because he's he's probably going to be given a couple more seasons. um, And, you know, hopefully Melnick sells in, in, you know, under five years from now, hopefully. Um, So, yeah. Yeah. and then especially for Boucher, too, he doesn't have a contract for next season. So I would be floored if he got re-signed. Um, and then also buys store in a bit more time because he can use Boucher as a scapegoat. And, you know, um, once he brings in a new coach, he can sort of reset the clock for himself as well. Yeah. And last question, I got a bu- bit of a buzzer beater question here Ooh, from okay. Alan at Alan the Con. If, if in... Uh in stars if the senators can't sign stone what do you think they'll get in a need to get in trade i think getting a top level prospect is more important than a late first thoughts yeah i think we kind of talked about this a little bit already um but i think there's one factor that we haven't really talked about a lot is just the sun's general incompetence <laughs> which i think is uh something that we can't really overlook this the sun's haven't really been the best at evaluating talent so yeah um of course we all i think it's all Oh no! At this point, that they'll be going for future assets, those picks and prospects. But uh, uh, it's a matter of, of what leverage do they have, and I th- and how will they use that leverage? And they haven't really used it very well in the past. And uh, like, uh, and, and their their leverage is really essentially just having that star player that teams want. But uh, everyone else is aware of their situation, of like financially, they, they know that these players don't necessarily want to stay, and that the sense of kind of have their backs against the wall in that scenario. So. It's something that teams have against them. So, um, yeah, for sure. It's, it's going to be first-round picks and prospects. Um, how mu- how valuable those picks and prospects are going to be is, is, is really going to depend on how well the Sens manage these trade scenarios, which, honestly, after what Torian's been doing, I don't really, can't really say I have much confidence in him for uh, pulling off something miraculous. No, and I think that I would definitely rather have the prospect who is a bit closer to the league and also just because you know who it is um it also it i mean it depends on who the prospect actually is because it would differ um in you know in different circumstances but whatever first round pick ottawa gets it's probably going to be from the 20 to 31 range so um you know if they are acquiring a prospect you know like a top three prospect in a system that's probably more valuable than a late first so I would say that, um, but yeah, obviously they have to be targeting those kind of prospects and high picks as well in these, in these deals. And, you know, maybe, I mean, there's a chance, there's a scenario where Ottawa has three, maybe even four first round picks in this draft. If they sort of, you know, go all out and they trade CC to Zingle, Stone and Duchesne. Um, so yeah, they should have a lot of picks moving forward in the next couple of years. Um, but you know that all that all depends on how well how good of a job Doran does and like you were saying uh I don't think any I don't think many senators fans are are confident in his abilities right now yeah that's essentially it is uh um yeah other teams recognize that and I think the Sens are kind of Pierre Doran's kind of like the new Peter Shirelli almost and that like yeah if you want to get a good deal on a player you just call the ottawa senators and and keep calling them see if if they'll uh their price will come down on one of their star players you know but 
yeah, I don't really have much more to add to that. No, me neither. Um, is there anything else you wanted to, to talk about just in terms of anything regarding the team right now? Um, nothing else regarding the team. I just want I, I just want to thank everyone first. Uh, Faces Awards for Ottawa. We didn't unfortunately win the award, but thanks to everyone who voted for, for that. We really appreciate all of the support. Um, Dan, you, Brian, five or six for taking our <laughs> award, but uh, uh, we really appreciate everyone who uh, took the time to vote for us. For sure, and I, I'll echo those statements. I think it's it's pretty humbling to see that we were nominated for that. Um, I've never been nominated for something in, in regards to my writing or podca- podcasting or anything. So um, I think we were both pretty pretty happy to see that. And um, yeah, it, I don't blame you if, if you didn't vote just because the, the website was you know kind of annoying to to use it it took like a minute or two just to to get through the the whole process but yeah thanks to people who did and just thank for all the support that you guys are giving us right now and um yeah hopefully hopefully this is just the beginning for for the show and hopefully it, it keeps getting better so thanks to all you guys as i wrap it up reminder that you can find the cost for point cast on itunes soundcloud and stitcher and don't forget to rate and review the podcast on those platforms as well you can also follow me on Twitter at ShaqTS and read my articles at HockeyBuzz.com. And, and you can follow Colin on Twitter at CudmoreColin and read his articles at Silver7Sends. If you have any suggestions for future episodes or questions you want answered, let us know. That's all for today. Adios.